Welcome to the Overdue Podcast, Episode 27. I'm Kelly, and with me today is my fellow Medicine College librarian, Mark. Hello. Today on the podcast, we'll discuss the new Goodman South Campus. We have a pre-recorded interview with Mary Cartier from Disability Resource Services. We'll have trivial observations and our own Anything Goes recommendations. Let's get started. Mark. Um, You are a full-time librarian at the Goodman South uh, Library. So when did the campus open, and how's it been going so far? The campus opened on Tuesday, September 3rd, the first day of fall semester classes. Um, (laughs) That was the first day that students were actually able to get into the building, and staff actually weren't able to get into the building until um, the week before, okay. and then were crazily uh, putting <laughs> everything together. The start was um, very busy, um, and it would be fair to say that it was chaotic. So it was a little bit of a madhouse. Right. Uh, but Never now, a dull moment. How is the South Library and Student Achievement Center being used so far? It is being used quite a bit. The uh, South Library and Student Achievement Center are actually one room uh, together, room 100, as you come into the main entrance right across from the South Campus Welcome Desk. When you walk in um, to your right, 100B is the library space, and to your left, um, 100A is the Student Achievement Center space. And both are being used quite a bit right now. And the um, Student Achievement Center numbers are really high. And part of that is due to the new STEM Academy um, with the high school um, students there. Um, They are required uh, outside of their class time to spend some time in the Student Achievement Center. So, yes, very busy. Well, I haven't been over there, but I hear it's very nice to get, get a lot of sunlight. So there, There's definitely a lot of sunlight. <laughs> Great. Awesome. All right. So what are the hours for the South Library and the Student Achievement Center? The official hours for the Library um, and Achievement Center are Mondays through Thursdays, uh, 7.30 a.m. to 6 p.m., Fridays and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., both days, um, and Sundays, 1 to 5. So we're open quite a uh, yes, few hours. Seven days a week. And All actually, right. the Student Achievement Center side, after 6 o'clock, and after we lock the library side and the back office and all the cabinets and everything, the Student Achievement Center side is left open until the building closes. Oh, okay. Um, at 10 p.m. for uh, students to work on computers if they need. Great. So, so how's the parking over there? <laughs> Of all the things that have started to settle down and get figured out, um, the parking has not yet. That is uh, going to be a source of uh, chaos for some time. Mm -hmm. For right now, if you want to get to the South Campus uh, Monday uh, through Friday, get there early. Yeah. And uh, walk quite a ways. Uh, Potentially, yeah. Okay. So that uh, come wintertime, that might uh, become interesting. (laughs) All right. Uh, And now we have an interview I recorded with Mary Cartier from Disability Resources Services. Hello, Dana and Kelly here. Today we are talking with Mary Cartier from Disability Resource Services. Welcome, Mary. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at DRS? Uh, So my name is Mary Cartier. I um, have a background in education 
and uh, I support students in disability resource services by being a, a DRS specialist. Great, and you've been with Madison College for a while now. Can you tell us about your time here and how your role has changed? Sure, so originally I started at Madison College when I was a full-time middle school instructor. <laughs> and I was a part-time instructor here through wow. um, the GED program um, called the HEP program. It's a program for migrant farm workers who are trying to obtain their GED. Wow. So most of the work that I did in um, that program was in Spanish. So oh, we did okay. All of our instruction in Spanish and most of the instruction in Spanish and tests in the GED are both in English and Spanish now in the state of Wisconsin. So most of the students tested in Spanish as well. Um, then I did some part-time work in disability resource services and in 2017 joined the team full-time as a DRS specialist. Wow, great. All right. What services does DRS provide that are available to students? So the great thing about disability resource services is that it's uh, very individualized. We oh. do a lot of interacting with the students to decide what it is they need and what accommodations are appropriate given, a given any type of disability. Um, so there's a lot of services we can provide. Um, some of the most common services that we provide are testing accommodations like extra time, being in a quiet space or a low distraction environment. Um, we do other things like help provide note taking or um, the ability to record the lecture uh, during class so you can review it later. Um, some of the more fun interactive things that we've been doing is work with our 3D printer oh. um, to help some visually impaired students. Um, so creating models for them oh, okay. um, to uh, have a tactile function for that. So that's something that's um, wow. still, uh, still being uh, worked on but uh, we've been able to successfully implement that for some students already, which is pretty cool. Yeah. That is a awesome. Great. Um, okay, and what are the steps that students need to take to qualify for DRS assistance? This is a question we get a lot, and a lot of times students don't even know that disability services exist at the college level. You know, they might have struggled in school, but think they just have to mm. kind of front through it They're in on college. their own, yeah. Um, so one of the biggest things is we just want to get the word out that we exist and that they can <laughs> use our services if you know if you are a person with a disability uh, you can absolutely use our services um the the best way for students to get involved or get started with us is by sending in some documentation to us um and we have a guide on our website for how to do that so maybe we can link to that yep sure um, absolutely so yes. um students can uh, send in a documentation, could be like an IEP from high school, could be a medical note from a doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist, um, that has some diagnosis information as well as some of the limitations they're facing. Okay. Um, after students do that, we just call them up, get them scheduled to meet with one of our specialists, me or a couple other people we have um, either here at Truax or um, one of the other campuses uh, as well. We have, we'll have people at South Campus oh, okay. in the fall, and we've got everyone at our regional campus as well. Um, so they can come to any campus. We'll get that meeting going, um, and then we'll have that conversation about what students need and kind of get the plan moving into action. All right. right. 
This question is from Mark, one of our librarians at the new Goodman South Campus. October is Disability Resource Month. How do you plan to celebrate it, and what would you suggest the libraries and student achievement centers could do to help honor the month? Yeah, uh, well, thank you for recognizing <laughs> that. I know October has a, is designated a month for a lot of different groups, but it yeah. is Disability Awareness Month. Uh, so we do a couple of different things. We try to pilot um, some, we're gonna pilot some activities with our honor society called Delta Alpha Pi, which is an honor society for students with disabilities. Um, and, and so we're going to work with that group as well as with Lucia's um, Office of Diversity and Inclusion uh, to kind of get a schedule out. We're hoping to have some documentary series showing, oh, okay. kind of do some maybe some speakers or some activities, things like that, but we haven't quite finalized the whole schedule <laughs> sure. yet. Um, but uh, in terms of the Library and Student Achievement Center, I think um, kind of highlighting uh, some books or authors, um, celebrities, people that, you know, others can recognize as um, people with disabilities. Okay. Um, you know, making them a highlight and the focus of, of that particular month on the shelves or things would okay. be a, a really cool Well, idea. we might ask you for some help with that. Yeah, so, sure. Okay. Um, great. I've worked with Donna um, mm, okay. before in the libraries, and she's been really great about helping kind of us find titles and... Okay authors and books and that's been really wonderful great yeah. Donna mm -hmm. is great <laughs> <laughs> yay Donna yeah all right thank you and this question is from our Watertown and Fort Atkinson librarian Autumn can students work as note takers or more generally are there opportunities for our students to help other students with disabilities yeah so um, students can be note takers we encourage that uh, oftentimes you might hear in one of your classes that you know, there's someone in class who needs a note taker. If you feel really strong in a particular subject area and you feel like you wanted to help out a classmate, uh, you won't probably know who that person is, but if you were interested in that, you can talk to your instructor. Um, you are paid as a note taker. Okay. Um, you get paid $25 per credit hour. Wow. Um, with a stipend to the bookstore. Um, so it's a, good, it's a good chunk of change towards right. the end of the semester. If you... Uh, work with two different students in the same class, you'll get an additional $25 for that student. So if it were a three-credit class, you'd get $75 in note-taking stipend money. If you did it for an additional student, you'd get 100 bucks. Oh, okay. So um, nice. it's a great way to help another student, and if you're going to take notes anyway, right. uh, then <laughs> you've got it. We also um, have carbonless notebooks that note-takers can use so they can just rip the pages out and give okay. them right to the students or they also have copy code cards so they could just copy the notes mm -hmm. here at um, the advising front desk or at okay. any of the regional campuses at the main office great all right mm -hmm. um, another way that students can help other students with disabilities is kind of being an advocate if they see in class um, they're struggling with something, mm -hmm. if they're able to, of course we don't want anyone distracted from their own learning, <laughs> right. but if they're able to kind of help another student out uh, in a situation where, you know, they might not know what's going on, or they might have lost a page, or something like that, just, you know, kind of being a kind and uh, helpful classmate, I think, right. is, a, yeah. is a great way to do that. Just noticing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would you like to say anything about disability services for diverse students? Sure. So um, a lot of times 
there can be barriers for students to get to our office. That can be language barriers, that can be access to medical care, um, barriers, things like that. Uh, if you find yourself in a situation where you don't have the documentation that you need or you think you need to come talk to us, uh, come talk to us anyway okay. uh, and see what we can do. Um, sometimes we can uh, talk to a pre uh, previous institution, like if you've been in another college or high school. Sometimes we can provide um, some accommodations that are temporary uh, for students. So we really don't want to keep that as a barrier for anyone um, if we can help you get the accommodations. So we'll try and work with you if we can. Okay. Great. Um, and then is there anything else you'd like students to know about DRS? So um, Disability Resource Services works with a, a pretty large population of students and the, the disabilities we work with range from anywhere, anything from you know, uh, a medical condition like diabetes to autism to um, a learning disability to reading comprehension issues to, um, you know, mental health concerns like anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge range of um, services that we offer for folks. And um, that means that uh, sometimes folks don't know what's available for them because they don't know if they qualify or if they're not sure that's right for them. Uh, but if you are a person with a disability, we want to encourage you to, you know, get the resources that you need and make sure that you're using all of the support that you can to be successful. Um, a lot of folks with disabilities kind of have a negative experience in school yeah. and there's a lot of stigma around, you know, even having the meeting to identify yourself as a person with a disability. But all of our work is confidential. Okay. We keep all student records confidential. Um, we really make sure we maintain privacy uh, for students. And, and that's like our number one goal. In addition to that, we really try to focus on what students can do and, and work as a kind of a positive model. So we're really trying to help students become graduates, but also functional in the workplace afterwards. Sure. So we wanna kind of look at that more holistically and make sure that we can support you through, you know, from day one through graduation. All right. Mm -hmm. What a great resource this is for our students. Um, we want to thank you, Mary, for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. All right. And now we're going to talk a little bit about National Tutoring Week, which is coming up October 7th through the 11th. And just wanted to mention that uh, Madison College offers some uh, terrific tutoring services through our Student Achievement Center. They have received certification from the College Reading and Learning Association, CRLA. Several people have uh, received awards uh, within the facility. Um, tutors provide an enormous service to Madison College and help uh, a wide variety of uh, people in different programs and fields uh, with questions and different languages, too. Um, in addition to in-person tutoring, there's also uh, many opportunities for online tutoring as well. The in-person tutoring um, possibilities include 
peer tutors, which are students actually that have been recognized by their instructors uh, as being very skilled uh, and capable of um, helping out their fellow students. They go through some training uh, before they become a peer tutor. We also have faculty tutors, uh, which are faculty members that uh, graciously donate some of their time to help out students. We have um, academic coaches that help students with various classes and just general study skill habits. And some of the online uh, learning resources that we have, one of the things is a service called BrainFuse that the school subscribes to uh, for students to use. And there's a host of other things that the Student Achievement Center uh, provides as well, too. If uh, you want to find out more about the tutoring services at uh, Madison College, uh, visit uh, the uh, research guide for the Student Achievement Centers at libguides.madisoncollege.edu slash studentachievementcenters, all one word. Great. Well, I've heard students talking about it, and it's a really great service, so take advantage of it. And now it's time for trivial observations. The trivial observations for this week are not necessarily tied in uh, to the theme <laughs> a fun of segment. tutoring. Yeah, in, in fact, it's not tied in at all. The trivia this week is in honor of the 50th anniversary of two shows that started about this time in uh, 1969 that provided a lot of fond memories for me, uh, Scooby-Doo and the Brady Bunch. Yay! And I usually like to write original questions um, for the trivia. Uh, given how busy it's been at the start <laughs> right. of this semester, I didn't have a lot of time. So I would like to thank the folks at Mental Floss, oh, okay. mentalfloss.com, for this week's trivia questions. All right. There are going to be four about Scooby-Doo okay. and four about the Brady Bunch. All right. Well, I'm not very confident, <laughs> but it should be fun. All right. <laughs> Question number one. What Frank Sinatra song inspired Scooby's name for this series? Wow. Gosh, I don't know the names of a lot of Frank Sinatra tunes. Um, gosh, I don't know. It was Strangers in the Night ah. with a Scooby Dooby Doo. Oh, of course. Okay. <laughs> All right. Great. That's a great question. Question number two. The original voice for Shaggy for several years was uh, done by Casey Kasem. Right. At a certain point, he decided that he no longer wanted to do um, the voice anymore, and there was a reason what that he stated for it. What was oh. the reason? Maybe he objected to maybe some of the drug references that kind of caught Th on that's a time. very good guess and it, he did object to something but oh, uh, um gosh and the drug references perhaps but that wasn't <laughs> what was uh, commonly given as one of the reasons huh. yeah i gosh i don't know uh casey Kasem was a, a devout vegan and scooby snacks aren't vegan as um scooby-doo became very popular and was used commercially uh, his, his character was used for Burger King commercials, apparently, and Casey Kasem oh, was okay. asked to um, voice Shaggy oh. for those, and he protested and just quit the show oh. altogether. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. Question number three. This character 
or was despised by a lot of people, including ABC standards and practices, <laughs> um, because he was thought not to be a positive influence on kids. What character was that? Was it Scrappy Doo? It was indeed Scrappy Doo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the ABC Standards and Practices, their argument was that um, Scrappy-Doo was too um, independent and too uh, eager to jump into dangerous situations. Oh. Shaggy and uh, <laughs> Scooby were afraid they of ghosts. They were kind of cowards, yep. yeah. And they, you know, <laughs> you know, accidentally kind of, you know, um, solved things, but they rarely jumped into a dangerous I situation see. without, yeah. They <laughs> ran away, so. They ran away. All right. <laughs> All right, the final question for Scoo- the Scooby-Doo part. In 1972, there was a crossover episode with Scooby-Doo with the Adams family. Who supplied the voice of Pugsley Adams for that episode? Gosh. 1972. 1972. I don't know. I'll just go with, I'll just do a guess. Boris Korla. I'm sure, that's a fine <laughs> guess. Believe it or not, Jodie Foster. Really? Before, uh, and oh. that was before she was um, in Taxi Driver. Okay. Um, so just before that. I so, should have known that. I'm, I'm yeah. a Jodie Foster fan. So, okay. okay. It's good to know. All right. All right. I'm not doing so great. <laughs> Maybe I'll do uh, better, better with, with the, the Brady, Brady Bunch. Okay. okay. <laughs> Moving on to the Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch was uh, created uh, by uh, Sherwood Schwartz, was his name. Okay. Uh, was the yeah. producer and uh, the creator of the show. His original script, it wasn't called The Brady Bunch. Um, it did have an alliterative name with B's. Uh, what was the original wow. script called? I have no idea. The Bradley Brood. The Bradley, that's terrible. Yeah, and I guess it didn't roll off the tongue <laughs> no, that well it does for not. people. So okay. uh, somehow the Brady Bunch came up. Well, whoever and, came up with the, the Brady Bunch is, is much better. Yeah, I hope they got a raise. <laughs> in the casting of the show uh, for 1969, uh, we all know that Robert Reed eventually became the father of Mike Brady. But there were several others, and there was one actor who a couple years later won an Academy Award for Best Actor that was close to getting the part. Who was that? Gosh. I'll just have a guess again because I have no idea. Alan Alda? That's actually a terrific (laughs) guess. Yeah, you could see him in the part. Yeah. Any other guesses? Oh, an Academy Award. Um, Dustin Hoffman. That's also a very good (laughs) guess. Not it. It was Gene Hackman. Oh, sure. Okay. All right. In the last few seasons of the original Brady Bunch series, the season started on a road in special spots. What were they? Um, well, definitely, I remember the Grand Canyon because um, Bobby and Cindy got lost. Wasn't it them that got lost? Yeah, yes, it was. Okay, yes. and I know they went to Hawaii. Yes, yes, and I do not know the third spot. The third <laughs> spot was actually Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, okay. Um, family visited the opening of Kings Island Amusement Park, oh, okay. which actually still exists in Cincinnati. Oh. And the plot line of it was the father um, had designed some of the plans for the, oh, the park. The and when they park. got there, he had them in a canister. Oh, and it got I remember mixed that. Up, and they <laughs> spent much of their vacation looking for the canister with uh, architectural yeah. plans. So. All right. <laughs> and Great. finally, the last question: If you wanted to purchase the original house in Studio City's 
uh, California that was used for the exterior shots of the original show, you could now do so with the interior renovated to look like the actual set, thanks <laughs> to what network? Oh, isn't it HGTV? HGTV, yeah. Yeah, yeah I had watched the first episode of that, and uh, it's really fun. It's uh, the attention to detail that they go to to uh, match the colors of the paint and um, the actual furniture that was uh, in the house. It's a lot of fun, so recommend that. Okay. <laughs> and that's it for trivia this right. week. I didn't do so well, but it was uh, it was fun. All right, so now it's time for our Anything Goes recommendations. And uh, would, Mark, would you like to go first? Sure. Yeah, there's <laughs> okay. just the two of us. Um, actually, my recommendation this week, since I uh, borrowed from them for the trivia, is mentalfloss.com. Okay. Uh, Mental Floss started a few years back as a print magazine. It's now an online form. I used to get it when it was in uh, print. I believe you did as well. Yeah, well, and the library got it and, as well. And yeah. actually, you're right. Our libraries had a subscription it was a to fun, it. a uh, fun little read. And it is, still is online, and it's also an app that you can download oh, okay. um, as well, too. And the idea behind it, uh, it was created by uh, some people at uh, Duke University. Okay. And they wanted to have a fun magazine with trivia and just fun articles, but in an educational way. Uh, okay. But it was meant to be um, trivia for the educated. Right. And, um, yeah, okay. so mentalfloss.com. Awesome. Well, I would like to recommend uh, the new Ken Burns PBS series, Country Music, um, as you would expect from Ken Burns. It's high quality, well done. Um and I like many things about it. Um, I've been a fan of country music since I was born. I am from Texas, and I think that's required. But um, it doesn't shy away from sensitive topics. And uh, African Americans and Mexican Americans, their contributions are recognized. Um, it starts in the 1920s, and it goes to 1933, uh, the first episode. And they uh, talk about the Carter family and Jimmy Rogers. Um, and the second part, um, which is all I've watched, is the second part so far. Um, that's from 1933 to 1945. And it's really interesting. It moves through the Depression onto World War II. And it's really the history of our country and the history of radio and entertainment. And, um, yeah, I look forward to the rest of it. Um, and there's some funny stories along the way, too, like Gene Autry, who's known as the singing cowboy, actually didn't know how to ride a horse. Um, they had to teach him um, when he became an actor. Um, the Minnie Pearl story, um, I thought that was really interesting. I just had no idea what her background was. You know, and actually, it is a terrific documentary. And yeah. to throw a, another recommendation on the top of that... Um, I would suggest to anybody, if they're ever in Nashville, Tennessee, to see the yes. Country Music Hall of Fame. A, Absolutely. A really, really top-notch um, Hall of Fame. Yes. And, uh, you know, not only the music, but um, the social history of it. Absolutely. And, so, yeah. Yeah. and that area, too. Mm -hmm. um, great. All right. Well, that's it for us today. We would like to thank Mary Cartier from Disability Resource Services um, for sitting down and speaking with us. The Overdue Podcast has been a production of the Madison College Libraries and the Student Achievement Centers. Thank you, everyone. See you next time. <laughs>